0: Welcome everyone to The Score Fantasy Football Live. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. We are back, our first live show of the year. Massive upgrade. I actually have a producer this year, Marcus. Thank you so much for jumping on board, helping us out with this today. And I'm sure you remember these uh, videos from last season. We normally go over the latest news. We talk about some injury updates. And then at the end... It's all about your questions, trying to answer any issues you might have going into the week. And we'll be doing this every single Friday at 1 p.m. So I hope you're going to join me every single week. That is the plan for today. That is the plan all season long for however many weeks we do this. I don't know, 17, 18, if we're going to do it all season long here. If you want more, as always, download the score app. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin Boone. All my content is available for free over at The Score. I mean, we have the waiver wire article on Mondays. Uh, my trade value charts go up on Wednesday. I just had start, sit, stash, quit go up earlier this morning. There's just so much stuff on there, and of course, my rankings are going up uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and then the Sunday update as well for any of those last minute decisions when we get all the Schefter Rapaport news coming out overnight on on Saturday. So very big you know my my rankings are the one that it, it seems like everyone always gets super excited for and uh, you know i've been one of the most accurate analysts in the industry for about a decade now which made it very difficult yesterday to announce that i've brought a, an end to my run in the fantasy pros accuracy contest after seven straight top seven finishes uh, four straight years in the top five and then obviously i won it in 2019 so A lot of of things went into that decision, but uh, ultimately it was just about time and having more time to produce content at the score and have more time to answer your questions on Twitter and help you win fantasy titles. So uh, that's the big one. It's tough to say goodbye to that. There's a lot of great people in that contest and Fantasy Pros does a good job running it. So I wish them nothing but luck. Um, And like I said, my rankings are going to continue to be available on the score for free. Nothing is changing there. So we're going to keep pushing forward bringing home fantasy championships. That's what I love. Yesterday, when I put up my rankings update, I went with a picture of Tom Brady and Antonio Brown. Now, very, very happy that I went with those two because they had a massive game last night. And that's where I want to start as far as the the news goes this week. I want to start with just a quick recap of last night's game. I won't always go over the Thursday nighter, but this week it was the first game of the season, the season opener, and it was a great game too. So I think it's worth talking about the Buccaneers win 31 29 went right down to the end, but all we really care about fantasy wise is just what do we learn from this game? It's our first actual on field action in the regular season. What can we take away from it? There was a lot of big stat lines. I'm not going to go through all of them here, uh, but a few of them are, are noteworthy. Tom Brady, 379 yards four touchdowns. I know he had two picks. that weren't really his fault. When you look at it, um, But what we said in the offseason was there is a chance. It's not the most likely thing that could happen, but there was a chance that with all these weapons going into year two, everyone being more comfortable in that system, that Brady could come out and have that kind of Peyton Manning, Denver Broncos record-breaking year. And it's not a guarantee that that's going to happen, but this was a great start for that. When you're looking at the receivers that he has, I mean, Antonio Brown coming out, massive game for him five catches 121 and a touchdown Uh, looks like he's back to what he was a couple years ago. Chris Godwin nine for 105 and a touchdown. Wasn't a a flawless performance from him, but definitely a a good game. I mean, he had a fumble. There were some issues there, but Godwin is an outstanding player. So love to see that love to see that first game. And then Gronk kind of surprised us with eight for 90 and two scores. So Godwin's value doesn't really change. Um, you know, we already expected pretty big things from him. Um, but Gronk is a guy that comes out and has that, that big performance. And now you got to look at him as maybe a end tight end one. I don't think there's any way that he's going to go out and challenge, you know, get back to where he was five, six years ago and challenge Kelsey and Kittle and Waller up at the top. But Gronk could definitely put up a season as a a mid to low end tight end one last year. After he knocked off the rust in the first month, he was a top six fantasy tight end the rest of the way from week five or so on. So he's a guy that's going to mostly be about touchdowns, not about volume. He's not going to have this many yards in every game. But Gronk is, is definitely somebody that uh, we're liking this season. Uh, Antonio Brown. I mean, we talked in the offseason that you could really potentially order these receivers anyway, and obviously we're going to take Evans and Godwin a little bit higher just because of the, the proven track record and what they did last year, but AB, once he came in there last season, he was right up there behind them, top 25, top 26 fantasy wide out, so we're looking at him right now as a guy that I absolutely love, a guy that maybe could end up being the top fantasy receiver in this offense. That's something we talked about on Wednesday's episode of the week one preview podcast mentioned just that it wouldn't shock us if these guys ended up in any order this season, I wouldn't worry too much about Mike Evans. I know he's the one that kind of had a down game. This is probably how it's going to go. Somebody's going to be the one that's kind of left out in the cold each week. Not everybody's going to be able to go off and have a touchdown and a hundred yards. So this week that was Evans. There'll be some bad games here and there. I'm sure for AB and for Godwin, but overall you want pieces of this passing attack. And maybe this is an opportunity. I'm sure everybody will be telling you to buy low on Mike Evans. I don't know that there's going to be anybody out there that's going to sell low after one game, but maybe you'll have people that are kind of overreacting a little bit because on the other side of the ball, I know there's already people that are overreacting to Zeke, right? Or they're worried about Zeke. You have, you know, fantasy analysts everywhere telling you this morning, go and buy low on Zeke. But when everyone is screaming that from the rooftops, it's going to be pretty hard to, to buy low. And when you look at the matchup, don't worry about him whatsoever. You look at the matchup here. He's going up against the Bucs. They've had one of the best run defenses for several years now. Probably end up being the best run defense in the league. And it just so happens that that matchup came in week one. So don't worry about him. The schedule will get better. Zach Martin will eventually come back as all pro guard. Things are going to get a lot better for Zeke. Not concerned about him whatsoever. I would be a little worried about Dak Prescott. I know that might seem strange because he had 400 yards and three touchdowns in the game. But the arm looked a little off to me. And we know he had the issues. He sat out in the the preseason, Uh, even said last night, he's going to continue to get MRIs during the year, just to kind of keep tabs on where that injury's at. Didn't really look like he had the, the full power in the arm. Now he still got by last night. He's a great quarterback, but over the course of the season, I would just be a little bit worried that maybe he's not able to maintain that strength and maybe the numbers drop off a little bit, but he's got a great receiving core. I know Michael Gallup got hurt in the game. He had an ankle issue, so we'll have to keep an eye on that one. He was limping around after the game, but as far as the other receivers go, Amari Cooper looked healthy. He looked great. 139 yards, two touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb dealt with drops, but he still had over a hundred yards in the game as well. And then, you know, Gallup's the one that if he's going to be out, Cedric Wilson would be the the next man up there. That would just be something for, Little deeper leagues, and that's really, I think, all we need to talk about. I mean, I'm not going to mention the the Bucks backfield here because if you were following my draft rankings, you probably didn't end up with any of these guys anyway. It's just kind of a messy situation with Fournette now looking like the guy who is probably going to be the the best option there. Gio Bernard barely getting used. Bruce Arians coming out today and just confirming that he's our third down back, and this is a team that might not have a, a ton of third down situation. Sorry, <clears throat> third down situations. Uh, comeback type situations. I don't know that we're going to have to deal with those in the Bucks' offense. So Gio might not get as much work as we'd like to see him have. And Ronald Jones just kind of fumbling away his opportunity. So if I had to pick, I would say that Fournette would be the guy. But overall, I'm staying away from this. I think it's going to be a headache. I think a bunch of them are going to get work throughout the season. And it's not really a backfield I want to get involved in. And then the only other big piece of news that we could talk about is the Ravens signing Latavius Murray and what's going on with their backfield. But I got a ton of questions about that. So I'm going to save that for the the Q&A section. We got a a few different angles that we're going to come at that from. Uh, Next up, I want to talk about the injury updates. And it's week one. There's not as many that we have to deal with here. Austin Eckler is a big one, though. And technically, he was listed as a DNP the last two days in practice. Has this hamstring issue. We will see. I haven't seen a Friday report come out yet, so we don't know what the situation's going to be. If he's limited today, if he's full practice, great. Maybe he'll be limited today. If he's DNP again, then you got to start looking elsewhere and assuming that he's not going to play. Also, he's got a very tough matchup. They're going up against that Washington defense. That front seven of Washington is very, very scary. So that could be trouble for Eckler, even if he was perfectly healthy going into this game. And clearly, he's not going to be. So very worried about him. I'd be going out and getting Justin Jackson pretty much anywhere you can. I think Jackson would be the next man up, but we also don't know. Larry Roundtree is going to be involved. Josh Kelly is going to be involved. It's not a guarantee that Jackson is going to be the one to take the the most touches away uh, if Eckler's out, but that is kind of how I'm projecting it. And Jackson would be the guy that I would try to go out and get as many places as I can until we hear about this Friday update. Eckler is the, the biggest injury concern of the week in my mind right now. Uh, next up, I mean, the Giants, we could kind of talk about them as a group. Uh, Kenny Galladay is is limited this week. Seems like he's going to play. I would have a very hard time trusting him in my lineup after he missed so much time in August. You um, had that hamstring issue It's a receiver going to a new team. You want those reps. You want him out there with Daniel Jones. Unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. So I would be very worried about Galladay early in the season. Not somebody that I would want to buy into or have in my lineup at this point. Um, and then you look at some of these other guys, I mean, they're going up against the Broncos defense and the Broncos defense, they're a solid unit. They're getting some guys back like Von Miller, but also they went out and revamped their cornerback depth chart. That secondary is going to be really strong. It's going to be a great defense as a whole. So that's problematic for the giants. On top of the fact that you have Galladay banged up, you have Evan Ingram, who I believe was limited. I think right before we came on that popped up that Evan Ingram is actually at practice today, but it doesn't seem like he's going to play this week. I wouldn't get too cute and go with a Kyle Rudolph or someone like that. Kyle Rudolph's a guy that maybe in, in deeper leagues and tight end premium leagues. That would be the only spot that you would consider him this week. And then Saquon Barkley's the other one where if he's out there and it seems like he's going to be, then yeah, you're probably going to put Saquon in your lineup. I would just consider him more of a really fringe RB1, probably more of an RB2 this week because he's going to be limited. They're not going to give him a full workload. They play again on Thursday. I can't imagine they're going to go out and give him... 20 touches in his first game back, and then try to turn him around and have him play on Thursday. So, uh, Saquon's just a guy. You got to limit expectations, but if he's out there, you're going to have him in your lineup. Uh, Curtis Samuel had a setback in Washington, and we found out right before the show that he's going on IR. So, he's going to miss some time early in the year. And that's just. Uh, really unfortunate situation. It's a groin injury that went back to OTAs. He missed so much time in the off season. Another receiver with a new team. Yeah, he knows the system, had time with the coaching staff in Carolina, but it's really unfortunate for a guy that we had a lot of high hopes for. This is a guy that could definitely put up big numbers last year, a top 25 fantasy receiver, going to an offense that we love so much, so much explosive speed there in Washington, and now Samuel is not going to be a part of it. So you look at guys like Dami Brown, very excited about and even Adam Humphreys that's one for much much deeper leagues and, and PPR formats specifically but Brown is somebody who could definitely take advantage and make some noise here with more playing time uh, a rookie that flashed in the preseason and a guy that I liked quite a bit uh, coming out so he's somebody that you want to maybe get in your lineup as a flex this week if you're a little desperate in week one normally you aren't but could be that situation and then Humphreys a volume-dependent slot but you got to remember, he's got the chemistry with Ryan Fitzpatrick going back to their time in Tampa. So keep that in mind. If Humphreys comes out and puts up a big game, don't be surprised at all. Those are really the big injuries. I mean, there's other guys like Traquan Smith or Nelson Aguilar that we're monitoring. Um, you're not really going to have them in your lineup in Week 1 anyway, but keep an eye on them just because it could impact some of the other guys in their offenses as far as a Marcus Calloway or a Jacoby Myers. We could see more targets go to those guys if Aguilar or Traquan Smith are out. Uh, week one is a little easier for the injuries. I mean, most of your, you know, your lineups should be healthy. So I don't think we need to go any deeper here on this list, even though I have a few more names, but there's still so many questions out there. So let's get to your questions. Cause that's the, the big part of this show. Let's, let's get ready for them here at Yazonto, Who's the best bet to win the Ravens backfield now that Latavius Murray is signing with the Ravens? And like I said, we had so many questions on this, so let's try to get through them all. Uh, for this week, I still think it's it's Tyson Williams, sorry. Um, I think he's the guy. The team really likes him. They'll give him a shot to prove himself this week. I don't know whether Latavius Murray will be up to speed. You also have Devonta Freeman just showing up and Le'Veon Bell. The last thing we saw today is that... He's kind of got his, got his legs under him, apparently. And that fits with what we've seen from Le'Veon Bell the last year or so that probably doesn't have too much left in the tank there. And the fact that they brought in all these veterans is kind of concerning for Tyson Williams because it just tells you that they don't really think he could be the guy. They'll give him a shot this week. He knows the playbook the best. He'll go out there. It's a nice matchup against the Raiders. So maybe if he goes out and has a big game, they'll continue to give him some run. This is a backfield where we know They're going to use multiple guys, right? They're going to have two, maybe even three backs involved, but likely two. That was the setup going into the season where we expected it to be J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Dobbins goes down with the ACL tear. Gus Edwards gets promoted. So does Williams. And then all of a sudden Edwards also goes out with an ACL tear a week or so later. So now Williams is the guy in week one and somebody who I would play as sort of a a back end RB two, just because we don't know how much a Latavius Murray or anyone else is going to be involved this week. And then moving forward, it just depends what Williams does this week. If, If he plays well, I think week two, he'll still be the lead back there. If he just is okay, or if he stumbles a little bit, then obviously Latavius Murray will come in and that's probably the most likely scenario that we end up with a situation where Latavius Murray is the lead back. He's that kind of North South runner that they really like there. And a guy with a lot more experience, obviously than Williams. So they could go with him as the lead back. And then Williams sliding back into that number two role. And when I wrote up the waiver wire this week, and I had Williams featured when I did the trade value chart, we didn't have a Gus Edwards injury at that point. So I was just looking at Williams as that number two, and that's a role that he could still be valuable and he could give you some flex numbers uh, there. So Uh, basically, you know, it's a a situation I've talked about this before that the Ravens backs are, they're not going to get a lot of work in the passing game. So they're very touchdown dependent and we'll need them to score now going up against the Raiders this week. Definitely think we could see some touchdowns on the ground there, no matter who's back there. And I think it's going to be Williams. So uh, I liked, I like him in your lineup as maybe a really risky RB two, but better yet a a flex play at ill Mickelson in leagues with rolling waivers. How many Ravens running backs are worth the number one? Always tough to burn it when there's so much to be had in the first couple weeks. This always depends on your roster construction. So if you think, you know, if you're thin at RB, then I would use it on Murray or Williams, kind of in that order. If you don't need help at running back, then don't waste it on those guys. I mean, there'll be better options, like you said, so keep an eye out in the coming weeks and see what else you can get, but you'd have to be pretty thin at running back. I think at this point to go out and use the number one on either of those guys, just because they're not going to step up like an Alexander Madison or even maybe a Damian Williams would, they're not going to blow up like that. They're going to actually come out and be some sort of committee, no matter who uh, does well in the first week. So I think you're looking at a committee situation, which kind of caps their upside overall. Does Williams have the raw talent to be this year's James Robinson? Or if he starts hot, would you look to cash in and trade him? And then we had another question and that was from at maple underscore metrics. We had another question from at D Sovron. What is the likelihood for a rookie like Tyson Williams, who would have been fourth on the depth chart and a newcomer like Latavius Murray with a new team to excel the season? Would they likely have distinct performance levels? All that kind of fits into what I've been talking about. I I really believe that there's a chance Tyson Williams could be that guy, but he's not going to be James Robinson because he's not going to get that full volume. Robinson was so volume dependent. That's why he got up there into the top six, top seven running backs last year. You're not going to see that from any of the Ravens backs. If they keep getting hurt, they'll keep signing these older players. So, as much as I like Williams, and I, I've talked about him on the show the last couple of weeks. I joked about how I took him in like the 31st or 32nd round of a dynasty startup. And, and that's looking all right at the moment, even if he does just end up being in that number two role. But I would have been a lot more excited about him if they didn't rush to pick out uh, all these other backs and, and grab them and get them on the lineup. So I'm hope, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he kills it against the Raiders. I mean, I hope he keeps it up and ends up being that kind of James Robinson guy. But I think the most likely outcome is he'll have a decent game against Vegas and then Murray will start to get more involved, and it'll be a 50-50 split or 60-40 for Murray moving forward. Not too worried about Le'Veon Bell, and you'd have to be in a pretty deep league to go get a Devonta Freeman. At Innard Singh, do you think the Ravens focus more on the passing game now? Do you expect Dak to throw 40-plus pass attempts on a weekly basis? And also, is this something we should expect from the Bengals' offense? Yeah. If so, do Chase Higgins, Boyd, all have high wide receiver to value. A lot of questions here. This will be the last Ravens question, I, I think. We don't need to touch on it too more than this, but it was obviously a pretty important thing that happened this week. Um, I do think the Ravens want to pass more. I also think it's going to be tough to do that with Sammy Watkins missing time, entering the season a little banged up, Marquise Brown missing time in the, the preseason. I think what might happen is a month or so from now when Rashad Bateman, their first round wide out, comes back and when he comes off IR, that's when I think we're going to look at this and go, okay, now they could open up a little bit more potentially. But uh, that's why I put Bateman in the start, sit, stash, quick call. I'm spoiling it, but he's one of the stashes this week. Ideally, you would do it in a league where you have an IR spot and you can kind of just tuck him away and not worry about burning one of your bench spots on him. But he's a guy, do not forget about him because a month or so from now, especially in the second half of the season, we could look at him as somebody that, that's really blowing up and making an impact fantasy-wise. As far as your other questions, I mean, there was a bunch there just looking back. Uh, I do think the Cowboys are going to have to throw a lot. Uh, That was a particularly bad matchup for the run game. So it was kind of smart of them to come out and throw that much. I don't think their defense is going to be that much better this year. And we saw that last night. So that also forces them to throw quite a bit. We just got to hope that Dak's arm is going to hold up there. I wouldn't overreact too much to, to week one and expect it to be that pass happy every week moving forward. Uh, the Bengals definitely are going to have to throw a lot. I uh, have Higgins as a wide receiver too. I see Chase and Boyd right now more as a wide receiver threes. Um, just looking at it, I still like all three of them. And I think there will be weeks that there's upside there for Chase to get better. He's starting off a little rough here. I mean, he's a super talented young prospect. I know he's said some kind of foolish things. He's blaming the stripes on the ball for his drops and stuff. Just remember, this is a young guy. He opted out of his last college season. He's coming back. He's knocking the rust off. He's young and he's starting a new job. He's trying to figure it out. Give him some time. He's going to be all right, but Higgins is the the receiver that I'd want to have there. I think he's going to have the best season of all three of those guys and he's going to look pretty good doing it. He was good last season. He's going to be great this year. At Nick underscore Lococo, why was Zeke number four overall in your latest PPR season rankings and barely top 20 this week? Shouldn't a top four overall pick be matchup proof? I was wondering why he fell to me ninth overall. And thought I was getting a steal, a, a top four overall pick is is not matchup proof. I mean, I don't think there's almost no one in the league that's matchup proof, and I don't think you could freak out about one game. I've kind of said that already, but Zeke is going to be great this year. Do not worry about that. He just happened to face one of the toughest run defenses in Week One. Um, you know, didn't have Zach Martin there, all that stuff I talked about off the top. So uh, overall, he's still a top five back. But if you looked at my weekly rankings, you would know that this week I kind of called the bad game. I had him down. Outside of my top 13, 14, like you said, kind of barely in the top 20, uh, he was just an RB2 for me this week. And there's going to be situations where if running backs are going up against really bad, a really good run defense is really bad matchups, then you're going to have to bump them down. That's just the situation. So uh, relax. It was just one bad matchup. I mean, Zeke's going to be fine and hopefully the rest of your lineup will be able to to carry you this week. At Real Roush. Hey, Justin, happy football season what do you deem the most fair waiver process? Or should I say, how do you do waivers each week in the leagues you're in? Uh, I like having the the fab budget. Um, and then I like doing the, the blind auction bidding. I mean, that's just much better than relying on waiver priority every week. I think that is kind of outdated at this point. Um, and on top of that, you can have some fun with it, right? Like you can even include uh, fab dollars in trades. You can have trades later in the season where guys out of money there and you can kind of toss some his way and maybe get a bench player in return or something like that so just another fun wrinkle um so yeah fab budget blind auction go with that all the way at leps underscore t if you have one flex spot in a half ppr league would you typically prefer to start an rb rb three or four or a wide receiver wide receiver three to five which position do you see more upside if all else is the same i don't have a set approach here um, it depends on my roster and, and what kind of values I got in the draft and, you know, what kind of values I got on the waiver wire. Um, I normally would lean with a wide receiver if we're talking PPR, but it's really case by case. And it really just depends on the players available. Cause if you can get three strong running backs, obviously if you can do that and have that really you know great top five, top 10 running back in that third spot, let's say you drafted James Robinson before the Etienne injury and you got him sort of in the middle rounds, And now he's right up there and could be an RB one for you this week, then of course you're gonna put him in there. He's a great guy that could come up and you know get the receiving work as well and kind of give you everything. But overall, we know that running backs suffer more injuries. So if you go with three early running backs to try to fill that extra flex spot, it could be really risky. I mean, if we talk about a month or two ago, you could have had Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins and let's say Austin Eckler as your three running backs, and you could have been thinking that you were all set, and then unfortunately it didn't work out that way um, and they end up getting injured. Right. So that would be the the concern for me there. Um, so, you know, not so much now as far as having those guys uh, in your lineup, but I'm cherry picking. I know. I mean, I'm looking at a situation where all three of those guys got hurt. It's probably pretty rare. I know there's some rosters out there. I'm sure that had that, but I, I tend to lead wide receiver um, in PPR flex spots. I just think that's the the safer play. And then you can continue to play the waiver wire. And hope that you can end up getting some guys in that range that could step up, some running backs even that get a lot of volume that you could put into those flex spots. At TWDMR2, super thin at running back in a PPR league, who's the best stash? Ahmed, Penny, Daryl Williams, Marlon Mack, or Boston Scott. Thanks. Appreciate the work you do. Okay, so if you're super thin, as in you need somebody this week as your RB2 or you know in a, a flex spot, that kind of thing. I would go Boston Scott. I think he could be like the temporary fix for you. Could at least get you some points. Uh, He worked in with the first team, was catching passes. Miles Sanders was having some drop issues. So they're going to get Boston Scott involved early in the season. So you can get him out there and and use him. If you're looking for just pure upside, I would probably go Rashad Penny. And I hate saying that because he's somebody that I don't know that he's going to stay healthy. But I think when you look at the Seahawks offense, injuries have really been the only thing that have held Penny back. So if he can actually stay healthy and it's tough to predict injuries, even for a guy like him, that has been hurt all the time. If he could stay healthy and we see something happen to Chris Carson in that offense, I really think Penny could still blow up. The possibility is there. Ahmed is kind of great for that too, because if miles Gaskin goes down, I don't see Malcolm Brown stepping up. I see Ahmed kind of jumping into that lead back role. And then Malcolm Brown just kind of maintaining that short yardage kind of complementary back role that he'll have. So Ahmed, we know last year was able to put up some good fantasy stats as well when he got in there. So keep him in mind. At Comet the Frog, it's a great name. Hey, Justin, I know you're a big Bills fan and keep a close eye on them. So in your opinion, if you could only have one of these running backs in a PPR league, who do you think will have a higher fantasy output this season, Moss or Singletary? I don't have a great answer here for you. I know you're coming to me, the Bills fan. You think I got all the answers on this one, but I don't really expect either guy to emerge as a regular fantasy starter. And I think that's something that I've held all off season long. I think there's potential, especially if an injury happens to one of them that the other guy could jump up, but trying to predict which one's going to get injured is kind of foolish. Even though, you know, Zach Moss has been a little banged up in the offseason and got hurt last year. Singletary looked really good in the preseason. Um, and he was the one that I tended to get more in drafts just because When you look at it, he was going a little bit later. You get a two, three round discount on him. So why not grab him as late as he was going? But Moss has a better chance to be the touchdown guy. And that's what I would be chasing because if there was some situation where they decide not to run Josh Allen at the goal line, it would be Moss, not Singletary. I don't think Singletary has a a path to have, you know, a double digit touchdown season. I don't think that's going to happen. So if you're looking for that, I would go with Moss, but because Singletary is so much cheaper he's the guy that I end up with uh, a lot more often at duck sports sat. What is a reasonable timeline to expect production from a rookie to keep them rostered in redraft leagues? Thinking of a player like Carter or Marshall where you don't have a lot of draft equity, are you willing to cut them after week 3, 4 or 5? This is a great question. Really it's going to be case by case. It's not about the production over a certain time frame, you know, as much as everybody wants to look at that. I think it's more about how they look, and I think it's more about how their situation actually looks, right? So you see a guy like Tevin Coleman, you see Ty Johnson, they come out. If they struggle in Week One, then I would be much more willing to hold Carter longer, assuming that those guys aren't going to be the long-term answer, and then he will get his shot at some point, right? That would factor in to your decision. Uh, Marshall looks like a guy that's definitely pro-ready. Uh, he looked that way in the preseason, but you know, if he's not seeing targets early in the year and some of the concerns about Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore and CMC kind of soaking up most of that work and him not really getting as much opportunity, if that happens in the first few weeks of the season, then yeah, then you can move on. Even though he's a talented player, you don't want to be holding him at that point as a stash if an injury happens. So you kind of just got to do that calculation case by case on your own there. But I would be judging based on how they look on their limited opportunities do they look like they belong out there? Cause that's a big thing for the rookies. You know, you can kind of judge that a little bit in the preseason, but really once the, the bullets are flying in the regular season, that's when you'd look at that. And then the scenario, just what does that look like for them? You know, do you see a reasonable path to them getting a lot of work eventually? That's how I would approach it there at Corey and a ton of numbers after it. Do you think Deshaun Watson is going to play this season? And if so, with what team I don't, I don't see them trading for him right now. I can't imagine anybody's going to do that. I don't see the Texans playing him this year. Uh, I think if anybody went to do that, the league might put him on the exempt list. So uh, he'll sit out the year. It's, he'll be that weird kind of third QB in in Houston. And then we'll see what kind of trade talks end up eating up over the off season when the legal situation should be a little clearer at that point, I would think. And He shouldn't be playing right now, regardless when he has that hanging over him, they can't put him out in the field, be a terrible decision by the NFL. So don't expect to see him in 2021 at Al G's use your rankings to draft wound up with Waller in the second round and TJ Hawkinson fell to the seventh. So I had to take him. What would you do in this situation? I'll likely be benching Hawkinson for someone like Judy every week. Hawkinson is too good to bench in a 12 team league. So I like both players. I'm not sure that I would have drafted Hawkinson even though he's a pretty good value in the seventh, but I don't mind that move. What I would do now is I would hold both of them through week one, let the other managers in your league, see how bad their tight end situation is because let's face it outside of those top five or six guys, it gets pretty ugly at that point. I got full confidence that Waller and Hawkinson are going to be pretty solid tight end plays this year for fantasy. So I would wait a week bench Hawkinson for this one, as much as that's going to hurt let the tight end panic kind of set in with the other managers and then try to get the best offer you can for Hawkinson. And if for some reason he comes out and doesn't have a big game in week one, then it extends. You got to do it for week two and and hope that he has a big game and kind of generate some interest there, but you will get your chance to trade him for something eventually. And if not, if, if Hawkinson comes out and looks like the next Kittle in week one, and you really like what you're seeing, then you could turn around and potentially get rid of Waller and get a much bigger haul for him. So that's how I would play it there. That was it. That was the final question for today's show. Remember, uh, you can find all my fantasy content on the score app, download it for free if you haven't already. Uh, my latest there, the, the start, sit, stash, quick calm that I alluded to a couple times. Uh, that's going to be up every week on Friday. You can go check that out for setting your lineup. If you have more questions, you can always come find me on Twitter at Justin Boone. I'll be doing the, the Twitter takeover, the score main account on Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. Eastern. So that'll be kind of your last opportunity to get your questions in before kickoff. Other than that, I mean, enjoy the first weekend of football here. we got so much football ahead of us. We'll be back, more podcasts next week, another live show next Friday. But until then, big thanks for all the questions. Big thanks again to Marcus for producing today's show. Big thanks to everybody for tuning in. See you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said leave on time.